welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society of Virology meeting coming in mid-July, we are talking with virologists, graduate students, and postdoctoral researchers who will be attending the meeting. Thank you uh, for talking to us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, well, uh, I'm Dr. Dilip Kumar, and uh, I'm currently a postdoctoral research associate at Baylor College of Medicine uh, in Professor Prasad's lab. And our lab primarily works on uh, various aspects of uh, gastroenteric viruses, in particular rota and noroviruses. And I'm involved with uh, one of those projects uh, related to the rotaviruses. Yeah. Okay, cool. And can you tell us a little bit about how you first became interested in science and virology way back when? Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. So when I started my graduation, like uh, after, it, during my college, I started studying different parts of science, uh, different subjects in the science. And that is where I came across this, uh, the concept of uh, like the viruses. And for me, it was quite amazing that if you see there are different genomic materials for the viruses like DNA viruses, RNA viruses, But if you see at the conceptual level, there is one common feature. All of these viruses use their host cell to propagate and to uh, make the new copy of the virus, despite having different genomic materials. The moment you go at the detail level or or the microscopic level, what you find is that there are multiple differences despite they following the same path. So like there are a few viruses which have less than six or less than, less than five genes, but they are doing still same function. They take over their host machinery and make their copies. Then we have BB viruses, which has more than 100 genes that again does the same thing, but in a different way. So that was quite interesting to me. And I always wanted to work with the viruses. And eventually in my, in my postdoc, I got this opportunity to work on it. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited about it. Yeah. Cool. And um, did you have people in your family that were also scientists? Or sort of how did you think of science in the first place, like way back when you were a kid? Yeah, so in my family, nobody is, uh, nobody is particularly uh, doing the science as a, as a scientist. But uh, my father is, uh, is a very excellent chemist. So he knows chemistry very well. Hmm. So he used to teach me uh, physics and chemistry, but no, no one was interested in biology or there was no biologist in my family. So I'm the first generation biologist or I would say virologist. So my interest in virology or even say biology started during my school time when I had a teacher who taught me about the concept of evolution or theory of evolution and how the life came into existence. And that was quite amazing for me at that moment. And that is how I got more inclined towards the biology. So I was good in chemistry and physics, but I I thought that's the, the, the biology is the thing that I want to do in the, in the next phase of my life. And that's how I started working. In, okay, in, great, in great. And where are you from originally? Are you um, recently come to the U.S. or have you been here a long time? So I'm natively from India. So I did my PhD there and uh, by training, I'm a structural biologist. So I did my PhD from uh, CSIR lab, Institute of Genomics and Integrative Biology in New Delhi. And after completing my uh, PhD there, I worked on the, uh, on the mycobacterium uh, proteins. And I was always interested into the virology part. And then I, I, I contacted professor in uh, Miller College of Medicine like five years back. And then uh, I got this opportunity to work uh, with him. And he is pretty well established name in the field. And, that was, and it has been a very uh, learning experience for me. Yes. Right, right. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what kind, what is the uh, work that you've been doing in your lab? Right. 
So as I, I as I mentioned you, the beginning that our lab work on the gastroenteric viruses, uh, rotavirus and norovirus, and as we also know that rotavirus is one of the basic major cause of uh, infantile uh, gastritis. Uh, despite having vaccine, uh, at least 200,000 kids die each year due to the rotavirus infections. So our lab tried to understand the different aspect of this viruses so that we can we can understand it, uh, understand this virus in a greater detail. That will help us to design better vaccine candidate or maybe better antiviral uh, therapeutic targets. So my project is related to one of the protein which is involved in the capping process. So what happens is when the rotavirus makes its new copy of the new virus. So during that process, it makes new copy of its genome, which is an RNA genome. It's a double segmented RNA genome, double standard RNA genome. Now, what happens is that for the RNA to remain stable or to make a copy in, uh, into the protein, that RNA has to be capped because that capping protects the RNA and it also helps in evading host immune system. So one of the gene of rotavirus, which is VP3, that gene is involved in this process, which puts the cap on the RNA. So when I joined this lab, people have been working in since last three decades to uh, do the structure and information of this protein so that we can understand how this capping is being performed, how that protein is organized, uh, what are the different domains that act in the different steps of the capping. So I, I picked up this challenge and with all the uh, effort and support from my, uh, my uh, lab, I was able to determine this first full length structure of rotavirus capping enzyme. And now this structure tells us that how this virus smartly has just one protein which organized in a very uh, fascinating, uh, uh, fascinating macromolecular assembly to perform the efficient capping uh, during the endogenous transcription and the replication process of the rotavirus. So that's uh, my research work in a nutshell. So, yeah. Okay. And I guess for those that are not that familiar with, when you say structural work, can you kind of describe what exactly you do? Like what are the steps that actually from beginning to end, how do you get to a structure? So uh, I would I would start with the with the medicine. Like we know, we everyone uh, when you have some some disease, you take some kind of medicine. So the concept of that those med medicines or the the cons uh, the the way those medicine work, that information come from the structure of that target. So if you want to, uh, if you have some viral disease, you want to take some uh, some medicine that treat that virus and. To treat that virus or to design that medicine against the virus, you have to know that how that virus is arranged. What is the three-dimensional structure of the virus? Once you know the three-dimensional structure of the virus or viral protein, which is required for that virus, then what you can do, you can target the critical part of the virus, which is very much important for the survival of the virus or to make the different copy of the virus. And that is where the structure come into picture. So structure is basically determining the three-dimensional arrangement of the domains or different parts of the virus, which gives us the understanding about the virus and its life cycle. So what we do, we majorly follow two ways for the structural determination. Uh, classically, we have been doing X-ray crystallography, where you try to uh, get the homogeneous uh, population of the virus or viral protein. And then you set up the crystallization where you get the viral protein arranged in a definite manner, which makes a crystal structure and that you, then you, uh, determine the structure using that crystal structure using this X-ray crystallography technique. But recently, like last uh, I would say last one decade, the cryo-electron microscopy technique has picked up where you don't need a crystal, where you just pick up those virus protein complexes or just virus particle and freeze it on the grid and you just 
visualize it in the electron microscope. And once you get that data, you determine the structure, you find out the critical reason for the virus survival, you target that reason with a particular medicine or antiviral uh, this uh, candidate and you find a new medicine. So that is how this whole structure works. Right, right, cool. Um, and I think you had mentioned that you're sort of towards the end of your postdoc. Sort of, so what are your next steps? What are you thinking of doing sort of next in your career? Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, so last year this pandemic happened and that again put viruses all in focus throughout the world. And I have always been interested in exploring more about the viruses. There are multiple things which is not yet known. Like one of the things which is not known is that how the virus take over different aspects of cellular machinery or host cellular machinery. So uh, now I, I'm at the end part of, I would say I'm at the later part of my postdocs. I, I have started looking into the opportunities to develop myself as an independent scientist, where I can pick up a challenging project to, to establish my group and, and do some more exciting science related to the viruses. So that is what is it my plan for the next couple of years. Okay, well, good luck with that. Um, and speaking of the, the pandemic, can you kind of describe what it's been like for you? So it's a very weird time to be a virologist. And obviously, suddenly virology was sort of being talked about, you know, on the news and everything else. What's that been like for you as a virologist, but also as a person? What has the pandemic been like? So I'll talk about as a person because that is more relatable to everyone. Yes. Now, as a person, it did affect me and it did affect everyone whom I know because this has been the longest period that we have been isolated from our routine life. Like we used to do some usual stuff. We were under lockdown. We were confined to our spaces. Even our labs were locked down for a couple of months and our project was not related to coronavirus. So we have to stop that work that since we are also virologists, we wanted to contribute Something in this pandemic, we started few projects related to coronavirus, where we can do some uh, some uh, some research and come up with some exciting stuff. So, uh, in terms of personal life, it affected uh, a lot in a way because uh, we have been isolated from families, from friends, and we could not go outside. But as you know, being a virologist, I also keep uh, like uh, I I also keep on talking to the different media platforms on social media platforms in India and different places. So I have been trying to spread more information because which is the most hardening part for, uh, for me as a virologist, virologist was this chain of misinformation that was damaging equally as this the pandemic, right? Even what that is happening in case of the vaccines, you might be aware with that. So I try to keep myself occupied when we were under lockdown to interact with people, to tell them what is right, to tell them the right information so that they can also tackle with the situation. So that helped me a lot to overcome this isolation period. And then once our lab started and we picked up some projects, uh, uh, it's like life is coming back into the usual mode, which is, which is definitely very relaxing. Yeah, so. yeah. And um, do you still have family back in India? What's that been like having family there and, fa and, and yourself here? Yes, yeah, definitely. This has been very, uh, uh, that's the testing times, I would say. So my parents and uh, brother, and other, uh, most of the family is there. Me and my wife is only here. So uh, since the pandemic is affecting different uh, countries in a different time frame, in a different way, so we know that India had witnessed a very severe wave a couple of months back. So that was very, very, uh, I would say, tough time because you are always worried about your families. And when the pandemic hit US, at that time, family was worried about me. So this was 
not, I would say, yeah, I wish uh, like we do not have to witness these times in future again, uh, things come back to normal. And I'm pretty sure with the vaccines, again, science and virologists came to the rescue, we would be able to get back to normal soon. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic person, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess thinking about sort of your future, I always like asking people, you know, if you were um, able to meet yourself, say yourself, like at 65 or 70 and ask them one question, what would you like to ask them? What would you want to know? Well, uh, at, at, at the later part of my life, like I would like to know like I could have used my previous time in a much better way. I would say like I could have done some more research or some more exciting stuff. Because if you see in the retrospective manner, you think there are a few things which you could have avoided doing or a few projects even which were not very much uh, the way you wanted it to go. So as, as when you grow older, you, you grow in your wisdom also. So you start thinking, okay, you should have put your more time into this particular thing that would have made things a much better way. But yeah, I would, I, I'm pretty sure I would, I would still be doing science if I have been given a chance. Same uh, virology, it has been a very, uh, very uh, rewarding journey, journey for me as a person as well as professionally. So, yeah. All right, great. Well, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thank you for uh, giving this opportunity. Yeah. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Backright, and thanks for listening.